0: Hello, my name is Isaac Coleman. For a long time, I was a film and video game critic at a number of websites, most notably hey Poor Player and the accursed cesspit known as YouTube. In both places, I wrote under the pseudo pseudonym of I. Coleman, but for this project, it would feel weird not to use my real name. I love movies, and I have always loved movies. From the multiplex to the arthouse, from Star Wars to Stalker, from Netflix to Kino Lorber, I think cinema is at its best when it's varied and vibrant, and I believe no year is a bad year for movies as long as you're watching films from different countries, genres, and budget levels. As someone who loves movies, it has become increasingly easy to hate the Walt Disney Company. They are actively engaged in limiting access to older films, limiting competition, overturning laws that prevent studios from owning their own theaters, removing creatives from their supposedly creative pipeline, and even replacing their own great works with unwatchable, watered-down remakes. They have become a monopoly, and are acting as monopolies do, against the interests of people like you and me. And that's before we get into the really bad stuff. For a lot of people I talk to and have talked to in criticism, especially in academia, it's easy to write Disney off entirely as an evil, soulless corporation that has done more harm than good in the world. And that may be true, but I've never been able to feel that way. And last year, I was finally able to articulate to someone why that is. It's because I was raised in a Disney home. My parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and myself both loved and love Disney cartoons. We love going to Disney parks, where we've made some of our fondest memories. We love talking about these movies and the history behind them. As I grew up and left home, it became something that could keep me connected to them. Seeing the new Disney animated release in theaters on Thanksgiving break and then discussing it for weeks afterwards became something to look forward to. Something that I necessarily associated with a home life of love and connection and, yes, the same intellectualism and passion for creativity that led to me writing about art in the first place. So for me, it's impossible to separate Disney from family. I think there's a lot of us who feel that way. The history of Disney is the history of America in the 20th and 21st centuries. You can't talk about it without talking about war, capitalism, art, commerce, international and domestic politics, racism, sexism, death. And the critic in me wants to talk about all of those things. But I feel like I'd only be telling half the story. I would be doing a disservice to what these movies mean to me if I left out all the love I associate with them, which is where you come in. Hi, Mom. Hi, Isaac. How are you doing today? I'm
1: doing good. I'm really excited that we're going to be doing this podcast together.
0: Mom, do you want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Disney movies?
1: Well, as you say, both my parents and grandparents were into Disney, so I also grew up in a Disney-loving household. I can't say I've watched the movies as long as I can remember because we didn't actually own a TV when I was young, but I would had the records, I had the books, and then, of course, once we did get a TV and a VCR, I watched the movies over and over and over as well. For me, it also has been a part of my family, and we used to not just go to the parks, we would dress up in our Disney t-shirts and stuff just to go to the Disney store. That's how passionate of a Disney family we are.
0: I, I think it says something about these movies that you would all feel that way about them, you know? And the
1: fact that they appeal for so many generations, you know, it's not that you can only watch them as a child. And when you get older, you're like, oh, they were only for good for kids. People can enjoy them throughout their whole life as my grandparents did.
0: So we're doing a podcast. It's called Me, Mom and the Mouse. What we're going to do is watch every single film in the Disney animated canon and talk about them together for about 90 minutes once a week. Because the show is so much about family, we're trying to make it family friendly, so there's no cursing, there's no talking about anything that would get you a PG-13 rating. We hope this is a podcast that parents can maybe listen to with their kids if they want. But if you're a jaded, cynical 20-something, you'll probably like it too, because I'm a jaded, cynical 20-something, and I'm making
1: it. <laughs> so the way we're defining the Disney animated canon, these are the feature-length films produced by the Walt Disney Animation Studios. So not Pixar or Disney Tunes or Blue Sky just Walt Disney Animation Studios. And we're going to go ahead and list those for you here so that you know what to expect.
0: When we say feature films, it had to get a theatrical release. Correct. So we're going to start with the Golden Era. These are the original classics, and they start in 1937 with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, then 1940s Pinocchio, 1940s Fantasia, 1941s Dumbo, and 1942s Bambi.
1: Then that's followed by the wartime era, which are collections of shorts that were made during the Second World War, starting with 1942s Saludos Amigos, 1944s The Three Caballeros, 1946s Make My Music, 1947's Fun and Fancy Free, 1948's Melody Time, and 1949's The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad.
0: The war ends and Disney goes back to making longer films in what is called the Silver Era. These are also considered classics. Some people would argue they're better than the Golden Era, and these are 1950's Cinderella, 1951's Alice in Wonderland, 1953's Peter Pan, 1955's Lady and the Tramp, 1959's Sleeping Beauty, 1961's 101 Dalmatians, 1963's Sword in the Stone, and 1967's The Jungle Book.
1: These are then followed by the Bronze Era. This is uh, after Walt's death in 1967. Sometimes this is called the Garbage
0: Era, I don't think that's fair i don't know that that's fair either i didn't make up these names these (laughs) are what like disney historians refer to these as
1: anyway so in the bronze era we have 1970s the aristocats 1973s robin hood 1977s the many adventures of winnie the pooh 1977s the rescuers 1981's The Fox and the Hound 1985's The Black Cauldron 1986's The Great Mouse Detective 1988's Oliver and Company
0: Then there's the Renaissance era, which is when uh, a bunch of movies people really like come out Big hits, also seen as classics now, very popular Such as 1989's The Little Mermaid 1990's Rescuers Down Under 1991's Beauty and the Beast 1992's Aladdin, 1994's The Lion King, 1995's Pocahontas, 1996's Hunchback of Notre Dame, 1997's Hercules, and 1998's Mulan.
1: Then follows the experimental era... When the Disney company was playing around with some different techniques like computer animation. And we're going to begin it with 1999's Tarzan.
0: A lot of Disney historians do not start the experimental era here. I argue this is absolutely the beginning of the experimental era and we'll talk about it in that episode.
1: Followed by 2000's Fantasia 2000 and 2000's Dinosaur. And 2000's The Emperor's New Groove. Let me double check that that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Then in 2001, Atlantis The Lost Empire. 2002, Lilo and Stitch. 2002's Treasure Planet. 2003's Brother Bear. In 2004, Home on the Range. In 2005, Chicken Little. In 2007, Meet the Robinsons. And in 2008, Bolt.
0: Then we have the Revival Era, which again is seen as kind of a course correction, Uh, This is when John Lasseter takes over Disney Animation, and it starts with 2009's The Princess and the Frog, 2010's Tangled, 2011's Winnie the Pooh, 2012's Wreck-It Ralph, 2013's Frozen, maybe you've heard of that one, (laughs) 2014's Big Hero 6, 2016's Zootopia, and 2016's Moana. And the films after that, that are post-Lasseter, are not part of a defined era yet so we're not sure if we're going to cover those yet we're going to we're going to figure this out together on this podcast journey we're on
1: yep and it'll be plenty of time between now and when we have to decide are we going to continue on with those further movies or not because while a couple of them are already out there may have been more movies released by the time we get to that point
0: Now, in addition to all of those episodes we just read, Mom and I each had a movie we wanted to talk about that is not part of the canon, but that is just so important to us that we had to discuss it anyway. So we're going to have two bonus episodes on Disney animated films which were not produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios. And we're not going to reveal what these movies are until the week before the episode comes out, so they could come at any time from any era. (laughs) We have proven
1: on more than one occasion that you and I can talk about these movies for hours on end, as we have done it on car trips and just sitting around. So I feel like we can, you know, bring our experiences and our knowledge to other people to share our family joy in these movies, and uh, maybe then they will share some of theirs back. That's
0: a really lovely thought. For me, It's a show about watching cartoons with your family. It's the Disney podcast I always wanted to listen to. (laughs) One that centers what's so joyous about the experience of watching these movies, but where we don't have to be totally uncritical of them or the people who made them. I think it's a really good balance. It's also very funny.
1: Yeah, I'm also looking forward to watching them all in order and seeing if that, you know, brings out any different thoughts ideas about them because i've never done that
0: so we hope you will join us on this journey through one of the most important filmographies of all time but until then i'm me i'm mom and it all started with a mouse